Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, so was Bruce Arians the best hire among the eight head coaching openings in the NFL? And is 60 the new 50 for coaches in pro sports? Are there any concerns about the Tampa Bay Lightning before they reach the playoffs? And an interesting media column on a controversial photo run by the New York Times. We've got all that to discuss with Tom Jones, the longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now writes for the Pointer Institute of Media Studies on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you ready for a magical day on the river with the manatees? That's right. If so, seven days a week you can experience the wonder and magical charm of these wonderful creatures with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees. It's in Crystal River, and it's the ultimate family bonding experience. Now, I have done this, folks. I'm telling you, any time of the year, it's 72 degrees up there in beautiful uh, Crystal River, and you want to be part of these giant creatures and swim with them uh, with your family. It's amazing. You can ask about their $30 Manatee Bronze Tour, and be sure uh, to ask about the free offer for Active law enforcement and U.S. military. Now it requires a purchase of two silver tickets, and then you uh, at a regular price, and then you're eligible for the free tour. So Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company in Kings Bay and Crystal River. It's just absolutely beautiful up there, pure paradise. You can ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, and bicycle rentals, and much more. Book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352 571 one eight eight eight. Tom Jones joins us now, and uh, eh, eh, in the old way, some sad news. Tommy uh, Carol Channing, of course, <laughs> of stage and screen. Goodbye, Dolly has uh, has passed away at age ninety seven. Your thoughts? Are you, are, are you lovely people out there? Hello, Dolly. <laughs> it's so nice that you bring it up to me, Rick. <laughs> I mean, you got to be you got to be really old, like like some of us are, to remember. I was watching a thing, and this is, I don't know why I took off on this, but I was watching a thing because I, I texted you today. It's not funny. God bless her. She was 90, 90 something years old. Um, but uh, she used to be, remember, remember the show? They used to have a game show where they would blindfold the uh, panel. Yes. And like Bill Cullen was on it and Kitty Carlisle back in the day when she was. And I it's never like, knew. It would, to tell the truth? Is that the name of it? To tell the well, truth? Well, I don't. It might have been like a To Tell the Truth, but I think it was a, like. I think it was another. Oh, not To show. Tell the Truth. It was, yeah. I, it was I know like, what you're who is. About. It was like, a, like you try to guess who the person is. Yes, right. And they, they only get so many. They get like 10 questions. Right. And they flip them over. And it's yes. like, no, you get. It's always a celebrity. Right. And so she came on there and she disguised her voice. <laughs> and so, yeah. Believe it or not, Kitty Kitty Carlisle guessed it on the last one, but uh, <laughs> but talk about talk about old like uh, gosh, I haven't thought of. I mean, I, if you'd have told me that Carol Channing died fifty 20, years 20, ago, two years yeah. ago, I would have said, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't know she was still alive, and now like I'm fi- sad that I found out she was alive <laughs> and that she died yesterday. <laughs> oh, no. it's terrible, but she had a great life. But I don't know. I I was just uh, I was just thinking that like. We were ki- like we were little kids when uh, when like she was appearing on 
on game shows and things like that. So, it was oh yeah, weird. and Johnny, the old Johnny Carson show, stuff like yeah, sure, all that's that classic. Stuff. <laughs> as you as you texted me, and really, if if you you texted me, it must have been like seven thirty in the morning, and so when <laughs> you get a text early. from somebody at seven thirty in the morning <laughs> announcing somebody's death, you're like, oh no, and you said you said what are the all time greats, and you're like. You're right. It was. She was she awesome, was. man. It was like a part she, of our childhood. Yeah. She was known. I mean, she was on Broadway for years doing Hello Dolly and, yep. and uh, was a singer and an actress. And, you know, man, back in the day, what can you say? I mean, look, I know <laughs> I know you, you young people out there are wondering who the hell we're talking about, but never mind. Uh, look, so anyway. Good to have you on, man. You've been gone forever. What have you done? You've been you've been uh, you had the holidays went by. You didn't send me a Christmas card. I know you got mine. Um <laughs> You know what's uh, what's what's the do what's the deal, I, man? I'm busy. I'm a I, I I'm a real worker now, man. I go to work at nine o'clock. I stay until six o'clock, and I go home and I write a bunch of first stuff one in, between. last one out, like yeah, Jameis well, Winston. I, pretty well. I don't know if I'm the first one in, but it's uh, and I'm definitely not the smartest person there. But it's uh, it's been a blast, man. I'm having a good time at Pointer and uh, lots of interesting things to write about. And and uh, no, but I it's funny. I was watching uh, all the. Sp- like everything go down with the whole Bucks hiring, and I'm sure we'll get into to this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm watching, you know, Bruce Arians get hired, and before that, even the the whole sort of search and what are they going to do? The, and Dirk the, getting the fired. The search, yeah, the, the, the search, the nationwide search. <laughs> exactly. We like to call it. Yeah, yeah. it settled on Bruce Arians after about ten minutes, apparently. But I mean, mm. in watching all of it, it was like I didn't miss it. I didn't miss not being a part of it, but I enjoyed right. watching it, and I enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed watching your looking at your coverage and seeing what you were writing every day. It was it was a different feeling to to for the first time in a long time to see all this stuff going on in Tampa Bay sports and not really having a part of it. Hey, by the way, Rick, speaking um, of Jameis Winston, I want to know if you're transcribing yeah. this show tonight too. <laughs> I knew that was coming, and the answer is yes. So what was the story? I heard about this. I didn't hear yesterday's podcast. But All right. I heard, so here's, so I heard the, here's about the deal. It. Yeah. Here's the deal for those of you, uh, you know, the podcast people that got on my butt about it. Look, Jameis Winston was good enough to uh, had, had not spoken publicly, at least. He, he went to one buck place when Arians was hired and they spoke, but he had not had anything to say publicly uh, since the hiring of Bruce Arians. And so it was a good get. He called me. Um, turns out he only called me. I thought he was going to like, you know, do a media tour. You know how they, they wire you up with a little IFB there and you just start talking. But, um, but anyway, he calls me. Um, and so I am primarily doing this for the newspaper. And Tom, you know, you can, you can speak to this where, you know, you, you, you don't trust technology to the point where that's all you're going to do is record a conversation. Right. Because then, then God forbid, especially if it's an important one, right? Like, you know, this is the one bite of the apple I'm getting with Jameis Winston. I'm not calling him back when this is over and saying, right. hey, would you mind doing it this time with feeling? I lost the recording, right? So I, I'm recording it, but I'm also trying to get it out on the Internet and, you know, what he says. And, of course, we live in a world of Twitter and all that stuff. So I'm typing, and, and I know you've done this, I'm, I'm typing while I'm listening to him speak on a, on a speakerphone. It happens all the time in our business. But... People wanted, after I wrote the story and put it on the internet, people wanted to hear, that's the beauty of the podcast, right? They wanted to hear Jameis, which I understand because, you know, you can read the written word, but it's not the same as hearing the inflections and the voice and stuff like sure. that. The problem was that the microphone that I was speaking into and that he was coming out of was right near my keyboard because I was multitasking. I was, sure. I had it all kind of like within, you know, inches of each other, so... You hear me just banging away at about, I don't know, 65 words a minute, 
and um and, and so it was very annoying uh yet amusing to people so i i got a lot of a lot of pushback from it and some memes and things like that of like you know bruce almighty and you know all that stuff <laughs> see what and i so, would tell those people though is okay if you didn't like listening to your interview then listen to oh wait a minute there is no other interview to listen to <laughs> So you can't. You well, which, how do you want it? You know, you want it. You, you want go. an interview or not? You know. Yeah, exactly. So I got a long and prosperous career teaching typewriter maintenance <laughs> at the Rocco Club of School for Women. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he, you know, it was an exclusive, and everybody had to, you know, had to uh, either deal with it or not. But it was it was just kind of funny. But no, Steve, to answer your question, <laughs> we're not we're not transcribing. Transcriptions will be provided by. Didn't they used to have one of those things like they they would say like transcripts of this show? Yeah, provided. like the end of like Meet the Press or something. Yeah, like that, that was yeah. it. That was yeah, it was Meet the Press. So this is not this is uh, Sports Day Tampa Bay. We don't have that budget. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a while, and uh, we'll get into some of the the stuff you're writing uh, for Pointer, and you can read Tom on Pointer.org. Uh, by the way, and uh, he's got a, a good story on the New York Times that we'll get into here uh, in a minute. But first, we're going to keep it a little bit lighter for now. Um, so, so Bruce Arians, let me ask you this in general, because, look, I we all know Bruce Arians in, in terms of what he did with the Cardinals and, and that sort of thing. Um, I wanted to get your take on this, because I don't know. You've, you've covered a lot of coaches over the years um, in, in all kinds of leagues. What's your thought about coaches, say, over the age of 62, which would include, by the way, Joe Madden at this point? You know, if you'd asked me that question 10, 15 years ago, I would have had some reservations about hiring a guy at that age. But we've seen some of the coaches who are completely effective at well over the age of 60 mm -hmm. uh, in all sports. Mike Krzyzewski Mike what, 70? At God, this that's point. right. Is that is uh, is he seventy now? I think so. Pretty close to it. If he if wow. not seventy, pretty I think darn you're close right. to it. I think you're right. And um, you know, and a guy like Nick Saban is north of sixty at this. He's point. He's sixty-seven years old. Uh, Belichick, right? Is uh, is over Belichick's 60. up there as well. Yeah, he's seventy-one. Will be seventy-two next month. Yeah, Which, I don't even think of him as no, that old. You don't. And he says. And he's as adjusted to the game as as well as anybody in college basketball. And dealing with, and he's dealing with eighteen year old kids, primarily. Exactly, exactly. In 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 a sport that has changed a lot over the last it sure has decade or it so. Sure has. Um, but you look at, at at what Saban has done, what Belichick has done, and neither one of them show any signs of slowing down at this point. So I, I wouldn't have any reservations at all about hiring a guy of Bruce Arians' age. Now, would I have had reservations about Bruce Arians? I, you know, I don't know, Rick. It's an interesting hire to me because on one hand, you look at him and, and say, he's won one playoff game in his life, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, he's only been a head coach. Uh, well, I guess you count the interim uh, title yeah. that he had, you know, when Chuck Pagano got sick. He was 9-3 and three there. And, but really, his only head coaching, you know, job was, was with the Cardinals. He won he won 10 games a couple of years. But, yeah, one, one playoff victory, he made it to a championship game and lost. Now, I will say this about his tenure in Arizona is I look at what the Cardinals were before he got there, right before he got there. They were awful. And then he they was were. there, and they were pretty good. And since he's left, they've been awful again. So right. that says something. At the same time, Rick, it's also interesting to me the sort of – and this always happens, right, whenever a new coach comes in. Like, okay, this is the guy. He's the guy that's going to change oh, the culture. Yeah. Oh, He's absolutely. He's the guy that's, oh, I like the way he talks tough. He's fixing, you know. Well, we said the same thing about Graciano. We said the same thing about Levy Smith. Like, okay, they're going to get it right this time. So it's, it, you're, they always win the press conference, right? Yeah. So when yeah. I look at, at, at Bruce Arians now, do I think he's the right choice? I, yeah. I, I don't know who else they would have got that I would have felt maybe as good about. Um, but I like, I like Dirk Cutter. I actually 
Um, I actually thought he should have stuck around. But if you were going to get rid of Dirk Cutter, a guy that like Bruce Arians, and, and Rick, you would know this better than me. This, to me, clearly was, and man, I'm, just, I'm just speculating here, that somebody told him, okay, you want the job, you're taking Jameis Winston, just so you know. I mean, this hire, more than anything, shows they were all in on Jameis Winston. And when I say they, I mean the Glazers slash Jason Light. Oh, not only that, but they found a guy that has known him since he was 15 years old and and, and, and has liked him that long. You know what I mean? Like, this right. wasn't – you didn't have to twist his arm on Jameis because he's a big Jameis guy, whatever that means, right? I mean, he's the – He's the quarterback whisperer, and we knew that that, that was going to be the job requirement. He actually wrote a book by that name, and he's been with Big Ben and, and you know, Luck and, and Peyton Manning and, you know, all those guys, and then Carson Palmer most most recently. So, yeah, this was – I mean, there were two there were two requirements here, I think, Tom, and one was you're taking the quarterback and he's your guy. Not just you're taking the quarterback and we'll have a competition. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick, God bless him, he's in England right now having fun. Um, but and he says he wants to play again. I wonder if they would even entertain him being back here, because you know one of the things Arian said was he thought that you know that they hurt both quarterbacks and they certainly hurt their team by going back and forth. And he thought both guys were looking over their shoulders. But he came out day one, press conference one, and said not only is Jameis Winston our guy, um, but I think he's going. I think he can win a Super Bowl, and and you know we're you know. Everybody else is battling for number two. We just want a guy in that room that, if he needs to play, can win a game. So it's not even, it's not even up for competition anymore. I mean, this is all about Jameis Winston and um, and you know getting him getting him right. And let's face it, I mean, Arians isn't coming in here to rebuild anything. That's not what you hire that guy for. No, and right? I don't think this team needs a total rebuild. I, obviously, no. their defense needs to be fixed. And that's right. what Todd Bowles is here to do. But at the same time, I look at this offense, and Rick, it's not far away if it's not already there. They need to 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 improve the running game a little bit. I still think there's some questions on the offensive line. Uh, yep. We'll have to see what happens with Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson ultimately. But I think the yeah. pieces are there for for if you're a quarterback, the pieces are there to have a, a successful offense. And Bruce Arians, as you said, is is the quarterback whisper. If if anybody's going to get anything out of Jameis Winston, it's going to be Bruce Arians. And if he can't, then you know eventually you're going to have to move on from Jameis Winston. But this is – you're certainly exploring every all the options and doing whatever you can to uh, to to save Jameis Winston, so to speak. No, I, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, sort of the, the, the task – I think here's what you're going to find from Winston is that – He's going back to being Jameis, and what I mean what I mean by that is not necessarily, um, you know, hopefully for his sake and for Bruce's sake, not throwing four interceptions a game. But he lost. Didn't you know? Didn't you think he lost some of that swagger that he used to play with? Didn't you think? You, that yeah, the and, suspension, you, and you, you wrote this right about uh, a few days ago. Um, yeah, just that he that Dirk Cutter called him in and, and obviously had a conversation with him about, hey, you got to protect the football, and he did. And that works sometimes, but yeah, there do there does come a time where you got to let it fly a little bit, not not recklessly in in every game and every series, but yeah. I do think there are times where you can get a little too conservative and and you don't try anything, and then you end up. Uh, and I just I didn't you know, think he was scoring. himself. I mean, you you right. saw it in in news conferences and things like that. Like he, I mean, it was almost like what happened to Jameis Winston. Like you can dial it so back person. I'm talking more about personality wise. 
you know, and not not the crazy stuff eating the W's and things like that, but just like you could see him almost scaling it back to the point where he was robotic, you know, um, you know, at times when he when he spoke. Um, you, you know what, know. Rick? You wrote something else too that really caught my attention in a. And I think it was last, might have been last Sunday when you were talking about sort of where do the Bucks go from here with, with Jameis and all, and you made mention of the fact that they that he never criticized Cutter publicly, and Cutter mm-hmm. never criticized him publicly. Nope. And I thought I maybe I'm reading between the lines too much. It's something that wasn't there, but it, there was almost a, an impression of. Yeah, they weren't going to say anything publicly, but this is probably ultimately a good move for Jameis Winston. I thought last year, Rick, everything that happened from the, and a lot of it was was self inflicted, no question. But from the suspension to uh, previously, there had been reports about whether or not the, that they were getting along. Um, I just think he needs he needs a clean slate. Jameis Winston does, and yep. uh, and, and and to sort of forget about 2018. And part of the part of the way you can do that. Is to is to hire a new coach and and have well, somebody more, that's that's not in his ear all the time. Like more Blake than Durkin. that, I think I think he needed somebody he felt like was in his corner. Right. I'm not sure he ever felt Dirk Cutter was that guy. Yeah, that's you know, and like, that's I what mean, I'm saying. When I read that s- sentence in your story, from the, from, yeah, from the time there was that, that Dirk, sense that they, that maybe he wasn't uh, he didn't feel like Dirk had his back. Right. I mean, from the time Dirk was hired, he told us very honestly as a head coach that look, when, you know, when I was, you know evaluating things and Jameis was was coming out I was more of a Mariota guy because I knew Mark Helfrich and I knew Mariota you know I mean that's how it, that's how the relationship began um as a head coach and then I think you know of course last year he benched him and because he was trying to win games because he had to win he knew it was his last season um you know well, and and so- that, that's that's the key right there Rick you just hit on it when a coach is making decisions to save his job even though sure. it might be in in the best interest of the team, ultimately, when right. he's making decisions based on keeping his job as opposed to what's best in the long-term future of the organization, then then a, then a guy like Jameis Winston, who's not going to maybe help you win this Sunday, according to Dirk, feels like okay, this guy, this guy's not my corner, you know. Right, right. Were there any um, when, when you were covering the NHL? Were there any were there any older like coaches that uh, you know that won well past when you an age when you thought they would? You know what? Interestingly enough, I mean, we've seen guys like Ken Hitchcock, who you know he keeps getting jobs over and over again. And yeah, a, a name that really stood out to me was um, um, when I was in Minnesota. I got to know Herb Brooks a little bit, and of course, Herb oh Brooks yeah, coached the eighty Olympic team, and he he came yeah. out of university. Of I remember that. Yeah, remember that we won. <laughs> Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> yes. Um, but he ended up coaching the New York Rangers briefly, and then he sort of went back and and coached the the you know. Um, might have coached New Jersey or something like that, and then he sort of went away for a while, and everybody thought, okay, he's 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 kind of out of it at this point, and he mm-hmm. ended up making another run with the 2002 Olympic team, but bef- but along the way, he ended up coaching the Pittsburgh. He, he sort of came out of retirement to coach the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was still a young guy; he wasn't you know late 60s at that point, yeah. but he was long past the time where people thought he would still coach and could coach in the NHL because you know Herb Brooks, you know, sort of a hard nosed type of guy. Uh, dealing great with dealing with these plucky kids, but all of a sudden he was taking over a real veteran team with guys like Yarmir Yager, and it turned out to be a really good experience. Like he actually did really well with the huh. Penguins. So that's a guy who, again, he was—he's not—I don't think he was Arian's age, but um, but he—he was—he was 
and everybody thought he that his time had passed. The only other football coach, and you, you've mentioned Dick Vermeil, I guess. Dick Vermeil right? is the guy. Yeah, yeah, really jumps out. And I thought when they hired, when Los Angeles or St. Louis hired him to be their head coach, I thought, what a disaster this is going to be! What a total mistake! This guy quit. He was practically dying on the sidelines. Like, why mm-hmm. would you bring this guy back? And he turned out to be, you know, just sensational, you know. with, with Yeah, and he had been out of football for a long time. I mean, Arians obviously was out for one year, but, like, Vermeil was a broadcaster doing college football for years and years. Um, and nobody thought he would get back into it, and then he did. Um, and, you know, he he cried a lot, but, I mean, he still, <laughs> like, he <laughs> that did Was that, that you that made change. the – somebody made – Martin Feliz made a crack. He came out of retirement started crying all over the Vince Lombardi trophy. But, <laughs> hey – he had it, he had it in his hands. You, it was close enough to cry. Yeah, so exactly right. So I mean that that certainly made sense. Did you think? Um, did you think Jason Light should have kept his job? I mean, what was your no, thought on that? No, no, I didn't. I I, th- I just I found it hard. Well, what to if? Just, let me let me ask you this though. Yeah. What if? What if he told? Like, what if all of this? Okay, and and I mean, obviously Jason can wear his record, and he does that and all that. But what if part of this was, hey, Bruce Arians will come. I can land Bruce Arians because of my relationship and he trusts me and, and, and so on and so forth. Does that, that just, has, yeah, does yeah, that, that make, does that make sense of him staying for him? To yeah. Stay? If, if, uh, if you're telling me if I'm a glazer and you're right. coming to me and saying, Hey, I can get Bruce Arians. But if I, then I find out through back channels that if I fire Jason light, Bruce Arians is not coming. Hmm. I, I think I'd, I think I'd rather have Bruce Arians and Jason light than, then I don't know, and I don't know. Then know, I don't so. know. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, so I, I, I think that um, I that would help. That would help justify keeping him at that point. Obviously, you look at at Jason Light's. Uh, you look at the overall record of the team, and you're right. He has to wear that. Uh, he swung and missed on on some really you know high draft picks. Sure he did. Um, but you, I don't know. You could probably go. I haven't studied every GM in the league, but you could probably go through most GMs in the league and find yeah. a second round pick that they whiffed on. Um, well, the big one, I mean, for him was Aguayo, and you know he yeah. gave up a couple couple draft picks to move up for that. But even last, you know, I mean, the Vernon Hargraves draft wasn't good. Noah Spence, um, you know, there's a number of them. But yeah, Ronald Jones is still a huge question mark. Yeah, and he, and even until the end of the year, Vita Vea, you know, didn't get on the field. So you're wondering, like, what what did they really have? Even though they had some of those young DBs played, so yeah, it's a mixed bag. Time, yeah, but the record's worse. It's, it's worse than Mark Dominic's. I mean, that's what everybody hones in on. Right, you know, but so. at this, you know, at the same time, and I, I know we look back at this. You know, we look at some of the drafts he's made and and some of the picks he's made. Uh, you know, Mike Evans wasn't a slam dunk, Rick. I remember when they took no. Mike Evans. I mean, there no. they had other options there. Yeah, and Mike Evans was turned out to be, and I was one of those guys like, ooh, wide receiver. They had me that? convinced they were Damn taking it. Johnny Manziel. I was completely used by Lovey Smith. <laughs> did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. That was a I, counterintelligence move. It really no, was. Rick, we didn't have to tell you what we're doing now. Um, but I, you know, the Mike Evans pick was great. I mean, Quan Alexander pick turned out to be a pretty good pick. I mean, pretty they, good, yeah. Uh, Ali Marpet was a good find. Sure, Marpet, I mean, Donovan and, Smith, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, and a free agent. So, yeah, I mean, look, Brent Grimes was a really good free agent signing. Uh, and yeah. Jason Pierre-Paul certainly turned out to be a good free agent. He missed on some free agents, too. That's what you're going to get in free agency. You're going to swing and miss. Sure. So, I mean, you can make a case either way. I personally probably would not have kept him. But if you're telling me I couldn't have got Bruce Arians, then um, not is knowing there, who the alternative would have been, then I would have probably been. Well, and I, I was going to tell you, is there a coach, like did you see a hiring other than this one that, that made sense? But did you see a hiring that jumped out at you? I mean, they were all – you know, Adam Gase is a retread up in with the Jets, of course. But I mean, he's still a young guy. They were all like looking for Sean McVay. 
I don't know see, who. Did, did uh, these, there, how many openings were there? Seven or eight? There were eight. Seven, eight. I don't eight know. Who, I can't tell you right now who hit the home run. Who, That's what I mean. I like, can't tell you who won the coaching carousel. I don't know. But does any did any of them you go? Oh no, that's a great. I mean, it, to no. me, it was like I don't know. I don't know. I mean, a lot of these guys, like quite frankly, I, I hardly knew much about them. Some of right, these guys, right. you know, uh, and I'm not sure I can name them all now. Right, and right. It's so I I understand. I mean, Cliff like, maybe, Kingsbury goes to Arizona. I mean, really, the guy lost to Texas Tech, and I know our boss is nuts about the fact that they hired this. <laughs> you know, he's a hell of a good looking guy, though. You got to give him that. I mean, he, he does look like he's right out of Central Casting. I mean, no kidding. There's that, but um, but yeah, there was some there were some odd, young, you know, people that. And you know would, what? If one of them turns out to be the next Sean McVay, then then a year from now we'll say they'll oh, do the who's same the next thing. Cliff Kinsbury, you know, or, yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know that there was anybody. I mean, obviously, you know, a guy like Mike McCarthy was interesting. If you if you know if anybody could have talked him into it, um, right? Or if Jason Light could have, uh, he didn't get a job. No, he didn't. Didn't get a job, which is you know, which is strange, and it's. Uh, you, and I think you mentioned this as well that okay, he won a Super Bowl and that would have been a great hire. What what was it you said? No coach has ever. I don't know that there's been one that has won that has won with two organizations. Yeah, won a Super Bowl. Then I mean, it's a lot of guys have, have tried it. To, Mike yeah, Holmgren some that tried have it. been there. Holmgren's been yeah. there. Don Shula went to two with different organizations. There's been guys do it, but I don't. I don't, I'm not. I'm not aware. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There are any that have actually won Super Bowls with two different organizations as the head coach. Right. Um, right. So that that's a little trickier. Like, well, and, and I mean, maybe if like Lincoln Riley had come out. But again, that's that's a crapshoot. We don't know that Lincoln Riley no. would be a great NFL coach. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when you, when you look at that, who was available, who they could have got. Um, this made sense. It's hard to argue this, that they didn't yeah. that they didn't do pretty well. And you could make a pretty good case that that of all the teams that won the coaching carousel, the, the Bucks are right up there with anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, they get Todd Bowles. They get like a bunch of really good, you know, coaches to come with them. I don't know if Byron Leftwich is going to be a good offensive coordinator or play caller, but apparently he's going to let him call plays. Clyde Christensen, our old friend, uh, who was here with Tony Dungy years and years ago, he comes back as quarterbacks coach. So they got a staff that people have heard of, and uh, I think it's from a staff standpoint, I think it's one of the strongest they've had. I don't know since Gruden. You know, so we'll see if they can if they can get that going. The playoffs, uh, we're down to championship weekend. Um, who do you got in the Super Bowl? Who do you like? Boy, I mean, you look at this New England team, and I, I just don't know how you pick against them at this point, Rick. I, now, can I say this? Let me just go back to last weekend real quick, and you may totally disagree with it. I'm just, can I say once again that I think Phillip Rivers is a fraud, and I think the Chargers are frauds. <laughs> oh, no. I'm seriously. Every, really? I, every time I turn around, I hear about what a great quarterback. He's Phillip a Hall Rivers. of Famer. No, is he? Is he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's first ballot. Yeah. He's is going. he really a first yeah, ballot? Yeah, his numbers Hall are stupid. Is, well, you know, well, here we go with Dan Marino and all that, too. I know. At least yeah, he went no, to no. one. But, but, I mean, no, he is. He truly, like, his numbers are, are ridiculous. I mean, but of the, three, of the three quarterbacks taken in that draft, at least in the first round, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, and 
Philip Rivers. He's the guy that didn't win. He's a distant third on that list. A distant third. No, well, I mean, Eli won two Super Bowls, but did he really win those Super? I mean, he did make plays. He's got. You got. You got the Tyree. You know. Helmet, did you expect? Did you really think that the Chargers the, were going in there and going to win? No, 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 because they never go into New England and win. They've never right. done it in their. But, but at some I don't point, know your that it was. The quarterback has to win your game. The quarterback has to win your game. Uh, I don't know. They scored. I know he was under pressure. The defense stunned. No, no, no. They I mean, the first three anybody. times New England had the ball, they scored touchdowns. Tommy down twenty-one nothing. I know. I it's get hard it. To, I mean, he don't play defense. But the I'll char- tell you who lost I'm that game. I'm, Gus I'm Bradley never buying lost again. that game. I'm never buying into him again is all I'm saying. Like, you, they could go 16-0. I would never and- buy into the Chargers. Did you buy into the Chargers when they had Kellen Winslow Sr.? I didn't. Dan <laughs> no. Fouts? Harold no, Jackson? No, I, but I, Look, once again, it's like I the, actually sat down and I'm the thinking, powder okay, blue. This is right. This is going to be a good game. This is I'm, the Chargers are going to finally <laughs> was put over. us out of our misery oh, and end it was New England's over run. Quick. It was over at halftime. It was it was over at the end of the first quarter. The first I just three got mad at him. Like know. these frauds, they're a bunch of sons of frauds is all they are. <laughs> but uh, I was so bad. But this New England team, Rick, I mean you look this is what Tom Brady's doing is it's phenomenal. It's just ridiculous what he's doing. And I half expect them I do expect them, I think they're gonna win. In Kansas City now, Kansas City, you know, Pat Mahomes is, uh, you know, he had a, uh, he certainly didn't look under, uh, like like he was going to fall under the uh, the pressure of the playoffs last week, but no, he looked good. He looked really good, in it, but I, I just, uh, you I think just, so? Man, you think New England's going to go into Kansas City, and you like Brady Belichick better than Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes? And, and I like Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes a lot, but I think Bill Belichick's going to going to dial something up to yeah. Uh, to slow it's down. gonna be like minus ten or something. It's gonna be. Ridiculous. I hope not. I mean, I I'm, I want Kansas City to win that game because I'm sick of seeing everybody's sick of seeing New England in the Super Bowl. But at the same time, that team proves that in a salary cap era, you can you can win year after year after year. I realize they have a lot of things going for them. They play in the crappiest division in football, and that's that's a huge uh, um, advantage. Uh, they they. They always end the up FCs. getting a bye. They play mm-hmm. the first game at home of the playoffs. So sometimes uh, too, yeah. Sometimes too, and and I and going up to Foxborough in January is a huge advantage. But um, but I'm just stunned at, at what they've and what they've been able to do. And I thought I thought this was the year. I thought okay, that this we're going to start seeing cracks. And no, they're they're still something else. Well, you may. I mean, I don't know how good San Diego is, and and, and it has been since I think uh, the last time that they went in uh, to a Super Bowl. By winning a championship game on the road, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to say oh four somewhere in time. Another in fraud team when it comes to New England. <laughs> Seriously, they can't be. They can play that game anywhere. It doesn't matter. There's no way the Steelers beating the Patriots anywhere. Um. Um, yeah. Oh, what about that? Now, so, seriously, if you're the Steelers, do you think about making a change there? They're not going to clearly. They won't because I mean, they, they don't change coaches. To, but all this Antonio, there's no way Antonio Brown comes back, right? No, you can't bring him back so. at this point. Not with what he said and done. Plus, you know, I didn't realize that Antonio Brown is like on the side of thirty. Oh yeah, at some, at some he, point the fade's coming. Yeah, and it's going to happen fast. Yeah, so better to sell early, uh, a little too early than uh, than. Be I don't stuck know what you can get late. for him at this point, though. I've I've seen stories now where they they can't even get a first round pick for him at this point. Yeah, uh, maybe not, maybe not. And so I the mean, other they, game, they've gone from having late the two best, two of the maybe top five oh, offensive yeah. players in the game to having neither in. Six months. Yeah. Somebody said that Ben Roethlisberger runs them off. Do you think that's true? I don't. I wouldn't doubt that. 
I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, that they listen to Ben too much, and then that's why there's always some kind of friction with it, with his other players. There's, the, I mean, I've heard rumors that he ran Bill Cowher out. Bill Cowher couldn't take working with him anymore. So that would not surprise me if if you told me that that mm. there, everybody has an issue with Big Ben. Although at the same time, you look at Antonio Brown, it's not like he ever got frozen out by Big Ben. No. Big Ben threw him the ball, you know, fifteen times a game. So. That's true. And any other game, New Orleans and uh, and the Rams uh, at New Orleans. Who you got there? I, I if that game was in L.A., I think I'd take the Rams with the fact that it's in New Orleans. I think yeah. I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm but with boy, you. Yeah. I, uh, I I I think I hope the Saints lose. I tell you, I watched that game last week. Saints. Now that I can be like sort of a fan now because I'm not sure covering this stuff. Sure. I, I was trying to find a way in the NFL rulebook that both the Eagles and the Saints could get eliminated. <laughs> They're not Because I couldn't figure out who I, what I hated worst. Well, Eagles, but here's the thing. Eagles li- fans or I Sean Payton? I don't know. But I like, but I like Fol- Nick, the Nick Foles story is a terrific one, and he's a great guy, you know, Christian guy and St. Yeah. Nick and all that. And I like Doug Peterson. But you're right. Like the rest of the, the Eagles, for the Eagles' sake and their fans, and you know, you're like, meh. And then, strictly and, their fans. I, don't, I just don't like their fans. But I, would, I did want to see them win, Rick. The whole thing. There was a part of me that was like this perverse thing of, if they win the whole thing, how do you turn away from Nick Foles at that point? Yeah, that would have been something, huh? Yeah. Well, I'll and, tell and, you how, because the other guy, the other guy's young. I guess. And, and you spent it. You spent a first round pick on him. That's why. I oh, guess. and he threw thirty three touchdowns. You know, two years ago. I mean, we're not really saying that Nick Foles is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, are we? Uh, uh, I mean, if he maybe if better he came for that, their I team mean, or? they almost won the game the other day, and I, I'm not going to blame oh, it on Alshon Jeffries. By the way, no, let's but not if he forget, catches that ball, if I mean, he catches that, but here's the thing: the Saints are going to get the ball back in that game, and I'm there's probably I I think they're going to kick a field goal, but either way, boy, I don't know. I just don't know how you how you now. If you're asking me which quarterback would I rather have, I think it'd be Carson. Wentz. They would have kept Wentz. They would have kept Wentz. I mean, is they, Nick they, Foles is that just lightning in a bottle, or, or is he going to go no. somewhere next year? And do the type if if surrounded by the right talent, do the yeah, type. Yeah, see, I think there. everything changes. I mean, we've seen this before, right? I mean, we've seen guys, you know, be in a good situation, and the coach and everything is. I mean, Nick Foles. Nick Foles was on the street basically, didn't have a job, you know, and was thinking about quitting football. I mean, he had his chance with the Rams, right? And uh, I know Jeff Fisher was there, and that was a big, you know, big <laughs> part of it. My my favorite head coach, who by the way thinks he can come back and coach again, um, but. You know, he never did anything, and then Andy Reid brought him back, and then the rest is history. But I don't know. I don't know. You know. Nick Foles could make a good good chunk of money um, probably going somewhere, but I don't know once you change the dynamics if everything would be just right without Peterson or, Maybe or the right so, system but I, or what. I look I around know. at some of these coaches and I, uh, some of these teams now with their quarterbacks, and, they're not, and I realize these teams aren't going to make changes. But, I mean, yeah. if you're the Minnesota Vikings, who would you rather, Nick Foles or Kirk Cousins at this point? No, I hear you. For ninety million dollars, I'd rather have Nick Foles for whatever he wants. Right. I mean, that's yeah, because I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to win anything. Right. I mean, if you're Baltimore, would you rather have you know? Uh, uh, would you rather have the Jackson, Lamar Jackson? Kid, or would you rather have Nick Foles? You know, that's a it's a. Well, the jury's out on whether Jackson can win it with that style and just you know what he'll do as he gets older. But uh, but yeah, no, I hear you, man. I mean. Look, this team, Washington, this team could have considered like they, it too if they one. wanted to give up on Jameis. They would have been in the market for a free agent sure. quarterback, but um, he's going to go somewhere. Let me ask you. Uh, so before we get off, uh, I wanted to um, to talk about uh, the Lightning. Uh, Tom, you've covered hockey a long time. There's there there's always one team that sort of jumps out every year that seems like they just have this different gear. 
that would be the Lightning this year. I've n- I've never seen a team that just kind of decides that it's winning time and then they win. And yet there's there's part of their games that, that bother me. I, I want to see if you agree with me. But um, just first and foremost, I mean, as hot as they were in December, they can't keep that up, right? I mean, that's that's not going to happen down the stretch, right? I don't think so. But I keep we're so far deep into the season now that you you can't just they don't have you know, ten dismiss losses. it as like a hot streak or you know yeah. a, a good run. Um, yeah. But I I understand what you're saying, Rick. The, Steve and Steve's at all the games, you know, all the yep. home games. Um, I, I there's a part of me, honestly, I believe they get bored at times. I think that yeah, they I know so. they're so good that I think sometimes they get a little lackadaisical, and it's like, well, all right, we if we'll give up two goals, we'll score four in the second period. You know, I I do think that when it push comes to shove and he gets to crunch time, that they can bear down and they can slow teams down and they will be able to cut the shots and scoring chances and goals down. Uh, but you do obviously, Rick. When you look at the numbers of the goals against, particularly where they were about two weeks ago, it was concerning. They they were giving up more goals, way too many, yeah. than a team with a, as good a goaltender as they have should be given up. Right, you know. So, right. Um, but at the same time, again, like I said, I just get the sense that they're they they're good. They know they're good, and they feel like they can turn it on whenever they feel like turning it on. And that's why you see games where they win sometimes seven to four. Or, or fall down two nothing in the first, and seems like no problem. Wouldn't you, um, if you had John Cooper, wouldn't you go ahead and try to like lock him up? As I mean, coach? are you gonna wait? You gonna wait until he wins the Stanley Cup first? See, I, mean, I should ask you, have... you that question because you've always been the one like, hey, you gotta oh, win the Stanley I know where Cup I stand. Yeah, I know where I stand. But look, I, bet... I, look I, I, I think there's something to be said. I think he's a fabulous coach. I think he's as good a coach as there is in the National Hockey League. Is there something though to? Same voice, same message. If they don't win, too, too do you wait years? to see if they win before you do it? Like depends on how they don't win. If they don't, and win, how? What know? if they like the guy in Syracuse a lot? I mean, that's a possibility. But if they, if again, if they get to the, if they get knocked out in the first round, and they get, you know, they right. get, they get losing five games. Eastern Conference Finals. To, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals again and lose to a team that goes on to win a cup. Then I think you make a better case for bringing them back again. Um, you know, I saw something Martin Fenley wrote a column the other day about, you know, John Tortorella says, does this team need to go through a bad streak? Like, he thought it was always good for a team to sort of get into Stumble. some trouble and figure, then yeah. have to figure it out, you know. Yeah. And I, I disagree with Torts on that in that most of this team has been through tough times. They've been in Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, you're, half of this team uh, have played in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know. And uh, and then in the Eastern Conference Finals the year after that, and then most of these guys were here a year ago when they mm-hmm. went to Game Seven Eastern Conference Finals. So I, I think they know what it's like to to have been through rough stretches and figure out how to get out of it. I was trying to think of this the other day, Rick, and you were around for this too. And I think I can make a pretty good case that this team is better than the '04 Cup team. That if the if this wow. team had played that team, and I know look the rules were way different. It was a much more clutch and grab game back in 2004 it was a really it was a it this was a team is more action. skilled right because they I had lecavier so. they had richards and they had marty yeah and they had um a couple other guys that obviously could score but that team was the 04 team was grittier i thought you know a little I so yeah harder a little, a little harder to play against but this team you're right it's more skilled i think it has better i think this team's goaltending is better i think vasilevsky is better than Hobby Bullen was. Although Hobby you don't Bullen have an Andrew Chuck, though. You don't have that 
They don't. I mean, you could make an argument that Stamkos is kind of like Andrew Chuck, but he's not. You're right. Different style, obviously. Different altogether. style, but in terms of leadership and yeah, um, you know, they had Tim Taylor was a was a veteran leader at that time. But I, I I think if this team played that team in a seven game series, I think I would take this team. I think I would take the this year's team. But, well, yeah, now I yeah, mean, those guys are like fifty years old. I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just That's saying. True. Like, That's true. Yeah. Um, no, I hear what you're saying, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean they're going to win the cup. And but uh, boy, what an excite! What a what a great year to be a, a Lightning fan. My my girls are big big Lightning fans, and uh, and I let them do that because I don't I don't care one way or yeah. the other. This is one team I've not really covered in, in in Tampa Bay is the Lightning, which is odd, but um, but they've never been asked. But it it is it is fun to watch them. And I don't know where the ride ends, but it seems like it's going to be a huge disappointment if they don't if they don't oh, hoist huge. the cup. No, this absolutely. Year. I mean, exactly. this year. No, this year. No matter how it ends, what do they lose? Yeah. And they could lose in triple overtime at Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final, and it would be right. a huge disappointment because as but, of right now, in June on January sixteenth or whatever, um, if they don't win the cup, it'll feel like a, a like the, a lost season in a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't see. Uh, yeah, I don't see them slowing down. All right, get you out on this one now. Tom, of course, is at the Pointer Institute of Media Studies. He does a media column, um, and you can read him on pointer.org. So, Tom, uh, the New York Times is in a little bit of hot water, and you wrote about this, um, and this is kind of a serious subject, but uh, yeah. but it's an important one because we've been in newspapers all our lives, and and uh, this is what you do. You you critique uh, some of the decisions that are made uh, throughout the country, um, on, on this sort of thing. So tell us the story that, uh, you, you, you ran, uh, in today's. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it ran in today's. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, you I, can I look for it there soon. I don't know. We, yeah, we yes, think it'll be there yeah. this, this today at some the, point. The plan, the plan is yeah. Yeah, for it to be up when, when, by the time people listen to this podcast, but, sure. uh, or maybe a little bit later, maybe later on, on, uh, well, there's one guy in Las Vegas that downloads it at 2 AM, but that's a different story. Yeah. No, I mean, if they're, yeah, if they, you might have to wait a while if, yeah. if it's that guy, but, uh, no, interesting. An interesting ethical question came up, uh, on Tuesday as there were these terrorist attacks in Nairobi. And one of the photos that ended up on a New York times story online was a photo taken of two men who had been in a restaurant who were gunned down and killed in this terrorist attack. And mm. uh, using a photo from AP, the Times put the photo up on its website. And you cannot see the faces of the men who were right. killed, but clearly but these are bodies, two, dead, yeah. two dead bodies. Wow. Um, the reaction on Twitter was immediate and swift and and very uh, critical of the Times, felt felt it was insensitive. The the uh, the readers did felt it was insensitive, to the point where I reached out to the New York Times, got a statement, and then they put a statement out on, uh, on Twitter, saying sort of defending their actions. and And I wrote a column, basically, Rick, looking at whether or not uh, it was the right thing to do, and whether newspapers, you know, where is the line in terms of. What was their stance first and foremost? I mean, their you stance summarize was, their look, we, we, we realized that it was insensitive. We realized that, that some people were going to be um, offended. Not, yeah, I don't know if the word offended was used, but basically we realized that this was upsetting to many yeah. people. But, but we sort of, as an organization, felt like it's our obligation to tell stories uh, through pictures and through words that convey what's going on in the world. And sometimes those images and words are going to be unpleasant and disturbing. Um, but we feel that was the best way to do it, to, to let people know what's sort of going on in the world. The only and I, and I actually kind of agree with them. Uh, I, I wrote a, the column that I'm writing sort of sort of backs the New York Times in this sense that I think 
the photo showed something that that only the photo could. It could not be described in words. The the fact that this here was this guy, there was a laptop open. So th- clearly these these gentlemen were, you know, enjoying a lunch or enjoying whatever they were doing in this restaurant when their lives suddenly came to an end in this terrorist attack. I thought it humanized it in a way that couldn't have been humanized in any other way. But the other part, the only issue that I would have had, and I, if I were the New York Times here, is that if you were reading the story, there was no warning that this was coming. Mm. You actually were scrolling up, and then all of a sudden there's a photo of two dead men. Oh, wow. That, I think, you know, maybe the, the Times sort of tripped on that. They could have told people, hey, heads up, graphic photo coming. You know, they didn't do that. So it didn't really give the, the, the reader a choice as to whether or not uh, they wanted to see this. But in this in this situation, Rick, I think you have to have enough respect for the audience to or to the, to your to your news consumer to say, we're going to give you the information we have. And it's it's not always going to be pleasant. It's going to be disturbing at times. But you know what, Rick? There's no right answer. I don't know that there is a right answer. I mean, what do you feel about it? I mean, well, what was I mean, what I would be interested in knowing is, is like what has The New York Times done in the past and, and newspapers in general? In other words, um, you know, we had 911, for example, and I, right. you know, there were people jumping off buildings. OK, they're sure. not. Some of them were about to die. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know what the sort of what the, the industry because we look to The New York Times and The Washington Post and some of those you know, greater institutional periodicals to sort of set the uh, set the tone, if you will, or or establish sort of those right. kind of we guidelines. Look at them as, as the and I don't know what they've done in the past. Does it matter that this was another country? Does it matter like had these well, been Americans? Well, that's a great question, with- Rick. And it was and it was a lot of the criticism that the Times was getting. And I don't know whether it's fair or not. But the 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 question came up was that because this happened halfway around the world, sure, that it was easier for the New York Times to make the decision to put this photo online. What if, for instance, this terrorist attack had taken place in midtown Manhattan? Exactly. And these were Americans who were gunned down. Would they show that photo? Um, Right. And it's the same thing here. I mean, if we were uh, in in tomorrow's Tampa Bay Times, and I don't know what the Times is planning to do with this, but because it was an Associated Press photo, I'm sure they have access to it. But would the Times be more willing to... to, uh, to put that photo out there because it happened in Kenya as opposed to a, you know, a local Publix well, where, you know, where, I mean, we, yeah, I, I would mean, like to had, think that they would make the decision the same either way, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know that they would. We had the Boston marathon is the only thing I can re, re, you know, think that's similar to this with a bombing. Like we had the Boston marathon and there was all kinds of carnage, right? Sure. Um, and there were some graphic photos too, but not, but not necessarily. A, I, I can't remember where there were actually graphic photos of bodies. Of dead, um, yeah, of dead people. I, I know that there were there were some pretty disturbing images of people who were still yeah, alive, people, people who ultimately exactly, survived, losing limbs, limbs and, and different. And stuff. Yeah, right, yeah. right. The the other sort of part of this, and I guess the ultimate question, and I talked to various people at Pointer who are, who are smarter than I am. I'll tell you that, man. I certainly, I'm certainly hitting the punch. How did you get the Pointer anyway, man? That's a think tank. Yeah, I mean. But these people here, man. I mean. I mean, one of one of the the big question is what's the news value in it? I mean, is the exactly. is the reader, does it tell a story? Is it does yeah. it tell a story? And, and the big thing is 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 it is it telling something that nothing else could? Right. Is it and is it, I guess the best case argument is for forever running a photo like that is to sort of either prove or disprove what the official word is. So if if somebody comes on and says ah nobody was killed in these attacks, well sure, and you have clearly Stoc- have photos it's documentation. Of yeah, right. Yeah, it's like then then that's certainly 
newsworthy at that point. But again, uh, the Times, now whether it's an official policy or not, somebody speaking for the Times, one of their bureau chiefs, whether she had the authority to say so or not, said that because you could not identify the faces, that the faces of these men could not be seen in a photo, that yeah. that's the line that they draw. If you were able to see their faces, they wouldn't have run it. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. And ultimately, Rick, I think it's a case-by-case basis. I don't think you can just say, yes, yeah, we will Yeah, there's no blanket it. policy, yeah. Right. You can't do it that way. You have to you have to almost go case by case. And in this particular case, I think because it humanized what had happened uh, in a way that that words could not or no other photo could. I think that I think they made the right decision. to, to run it. Well, check it out. Um, it's a I'm sure it's a really good column uh, by Tom uh, on pointer dot org. It should be up uh, sometime today, hopefully when after you hear this podcast and uh um, good stuff, man. You, you're doing some important stuff all of a sudden. Now, now I feel <laughs> now I feel insignificant in the world that I that I live in the universe. Well, I, I was way more sure what I was writing before <laughs> when I was writing that. Uh, That's right. That uh, this that this guy's that a dirt clown cutter should be fired. Idiots and <laughs> yeah, yeah right don't move to Montreal already or whatever. But yeah, right. that, that I am now. But uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, that's good stuff. We didn't even touch on the Rays. We'll do that another time. But Tommy, thanks yeah, get for a hitter. Us, How man? about getting a hitter? What a big big time hitter? I want a big time hitter. <laughs> They're working on it, man. They're working on it. Avisel Garcia. Avisel Garcia. Yeah. yeah. All I heard was CJ Cron. They're letting go of CJ Crone or whatever. And whoever they replace him, it's going to be their best hitter. Well, I don't I haven't seen him yet. Well, That's you got Tommy Pham. He just wants to move the move the ballpark. Tommy but, yeah. Pham. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which is going to eh, Tommy Fan, but not Pham. But uh, yeah, yeah, never mind. Get out of here, Tommy. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Appreciate Rick. It. Always good to talk to Tom. And, uh, boy, speaking of the Lightning, uh, as we do this podcast, they're up one to nothing in the third period over Dallas. they got two more games for the All-Star break, of course, Thursday and Saturday against Toronto and then San Jose. So a couple of really good teams to wrap up uh, this, I guess, it's not more than the first half, but at least uh, before the All-Star break. So we'll be doing that. And remember, uh, folks, uh, you want to make sure you go see the Captain Mike's. If you want to swim with the Manatees, Please go up to Kings Bay. This is a great place. And uh, you can book online at swimmingwithemantees.com or you can call 352-571-1888. And, uh, it, by the way, uh, we're getting lots of, uh, of people that uh, are advertising with us are showing uh, all kinds of results. If you would like to advertise, please get in touch with us. You can reach me um, or our podcast at SportsDayTB, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com tomorrow we're going to have a, a mailbag so get your questions in i know you got a lot of questions about the bucks probably about the lightning the rays uh too as they're adding um, some players as we uh, almost seems like almost daily so a good chance to do a mailbag and then we'll get you ready of course for football friday and the uh, nfl conference championship so for steve bursnick i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times have a great day everybody 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.